to be or not to be? That is the question. A horse, a horse, my kingdom for a horse. Don't be so dramatic. Hello and welcome to Don't Be So Dramatic. I'm Steve Bradley. And I'm Jason B. Moore. And we don't know what episode we're on. No, it's, I don't know. Long gone. 17, 18? Uh, we, I don't know. This is probably after Christmas, so I hope everyone's had a lovely Christmas. And a new year. And a new year. And today we are joined by Frank Barry. Welcome to the show, an actor Thank from you, London. Richard. It's great to be here. Yes, good. good. Just hold the mic a little bit closer. A little bit closer to the mic. Oh, yes. That's better. I can hear you much better now. Okay. So, uh, welcome to the show, Frank. Thanks for coming on. You were recommended to us by Bridget, who we had on. Bridget Panay. She said you should get Frank on the show. So we, uh, He's the man to speak to. Bridge is lovely. Uh, we, we were actors together in, I think, 1962. Oh, really? For one play at Sheringham, Norfolk. It was called Summer of the 17th Doll. And uh, at the end of it, I had to take a sort of Cupid doll. It was an Australian play. Right. And I had to break the doll up on a piano. It was fabulous. <laughs> what, a rele- <laughs> what a release. I bet that must yes. be great to do. <laughs> Whatever you felt about the performance that evening, you could get out of it <laughs> yeah, on that. That's right. <laughs> that's right. It was great. Good, good. So let's start off with uh, what made you decide you wanted to be an actor? Just a brief sort of insight of what. What made you want to, to act? Okay, well, it was one moment, and I had a very glamorous aunt called Beryl, who'd had an illegitimate child by a, a Yankee soldier, and she wore makeup, and she had uh, uh, red, long fingernails. Wow. Thrilling. Yes. And she stayed with, <laughs> with us in York, and she took me, and I think I was about seven, to a pantomime, just her and me. I felt so honoured. And the whole thing was so exciting. And then a girl came on, it was a variety show, a girl came on singing Chattanooga Choo Choo, Won't You Choo Choo Me Home, in a spotlight. And I thought, that's for me. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And I never wavered. Yes. (laughs) That's great, isn't it? Everyone's got that kind of first thing that they remember that just sparked off that sort of dream. It's actually quite literally with you, the the light switch went on. Absolutely. <laughs> the spotlight yeah. was Absolutely. Right there. It was yeah. the most exciting thing of all. Yes. And, and then I wanted to be an actor, of course, and I did the usual school plays. And then I had to, uh, in the holidays, get a job. And I thought, well, I'll try the theatre because I'd been seen by an actor from the theatre. I was at school with his son. This is in York. And... Uh, and I'd also acted with Judy Dench in an amateur company called The Settlement Players. Oh, wow. They were very good. And they all said, oh, you've got to be an actor. So I went, and it shows how naive I was. I knocked on the stage door of the York Theatre Royal, <laughs> which was miles from anywhere, really. And he, uh, the, the guy who was the, uh, the manager of the theatre, the uh, artistic manager, Geoffrey Staines, answered it. And he had a script in his hand. And he said, what do you want? I said, I want to be an actor. (laughs) And then he kind of focused on me. Uh, And there was a little pause. And he said, well, come inside. Come on. Come to my office and read this. So so I read this speech. It was a kind of uh, part of a teddy boy in a play about football pools. I've forgotten his name. And so I read this speech. And he said, right, you can start now. (laughs) Oh, my God. Seriously. (laughs) Isn't that amazing? That's amazing. You're an actor now. You're an actor now. And the reason, of course, was that he was on his way to his office to ring London to get another actor, because he just sacked one 
who hadn't learned his lines, and it was difficult. This was a Wednesday, and I opened in this play on the, on the following Monday. Oh, and wow. nobody said anything about equity. Everybody <laughs> was terribly thrilled I was there, very, <laughs> very welcoming. It's weekly rep, you see. Yes. And, and, of course, on the first night, I showed off like mad and got loads of exit rounds. <laughs> <laughs> and so they kept me on. And I was there for the whole of the, uh, the holidays. I was 17 then. Six weeks playing wonderful big parts. And I remember they, they offered me £10 a week, which was a lot of money in those days. And after about three weeks, Geoffrey called me into his office. And he said, we're really pleased with what you're doing, Frank. But we can't really afford £10 a week anymore. We're thinking more in terms of eight. And I said... Oh, no, we agreed ten. <laughs> <laughs> and, and he did what you did, he laughed. And he agreed. Did he? Oh, wow. So that's a lesson. So you learnt negotiations as well, quickly, <laughs> yeah. quite early. Well, the lesson for anybody listening is don't underestimate yourself. Yes, that's true, very You true. might just get away with something if you ask for it. If you don't ask for it, you won't get it. If yes. you ask to be an actor, you'll be made an actor. Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so that's how I came into the theatre. And then I went to university... Uh, and went back at York in the uh, holidays to, to play these leading parts. Again, equity didn't mention anything about this. And then when I finished uh, uh, to university, I joined the weekly rep company at Harrogate. And for two years, I did weekly rep. So I played 100 parts in two years. Wow. <laughs> that was, if you like, my training. Really. Yeah, 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 I suppose, yeah. yeah. I've no idea what I was like in it. But uh, the audience loved me. <laughs> That's the main thing. <laughs> That's all that matters. <laughs> and you could always tell in weekly rep. Because if you've been there for about three weeks, they kind of feel your family. Mm. And when you come on, they give you a round of applause. And I took, to, to cover this pause that there always was, <laughs> and they applauded, I used to shoot my cuffs. Do you know what oh. I mean by that? You yes. know, adjust the cuffs. Yes, of your, yes, you yes. You know, like this. Uh, and years later... How very decadent. <laughs> very decadent. But years later, when I was uh, doing a play at the National, actually, uh, Jonathan Miller said, well, Frank, why, why are you doing that? Why <laughs> I said, I'm waiting for the applause. Because <laughs> <laughs> there wasn't any there. Anyway, that's how I started. Mm. Brilliant. So you mentioned the National there. Where did it start getting... You're obviously doing rep, and then you trained, and then... You got started getting bigger, bigger parts? Did you start Well, I always played things? big parts, right from the beginning. It was quite extraordinary. Uh, I went, uh, after the two years of weekly rep, in those days, people used to come around and see you working, you know. And that's what I think is so dreadful mm. nowadays. These casting people with their names on the bloody posters, they won't go out of London to see you. Mm. It's, it's just awful for young actors. Anyway, in those days, they did. And I was asked then to, v to go to Salisbury, which was two weekly rep. My God. Wow. I thought, what am I going to do with the second week? <laughs> Something to do with makeup, perhaps. <laughs> and then uh, from Salisbury, I went to, ah, this, this was the big lump, leap for me, uh, to Bristol Old Vic, ah. which was monthly. And at that time, it was the place to be mm -hmm. if you wanted to be a classical actor, the place outside London. And a leap to London. And that's what happened to me, actually. I played loads of, of wonderful parts at uh, Bristol, leading part. And uh, Laurence Olivier <laughs> was persuaded to come and see me, uh, not by me, I think, by 
Tyrone Guthrie, who directed mm. me in a play there, which went all over the world, actually. It went to America, and, and in Hollywood, I was offered a seven-year film contract. Wow. Not as grand as it seems. It was what they call a grooming contract. A lot of money, but no guarantee of any oh, great yeah. parts. So I didn't want to do that. And I came back to uh, Bristol, and one of the parts I played was Richard II, and that's the part Olivia saw me in. Oh, wow. And thought I was uh, okay. And I joined his company. Ah, wow. It, it was this very glamorous. At, at the Old Vic? Uh, at the Old Vic. Yeah. My, in my, my shared dressing room with Derek Jacobi and Anthony Hopkins. Oh, right. I say this just to impress you. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and I acted with, with Sir, of course. Mm. And I took over the role of uh, Bassanio to his Shylock. And I oh, have wow. to say, we, we all idolised him, and he was a lovely guy. He really was. You, you read these awful things about him. He had the natural competitive instinct of a leading actor, mm. but he wasn't insecure. I mean, how could you, you know, yeah. with his reputation? Yeah. And he, if it was your turn, he gave you your turn. Oh, it's interesting, because when I was watching, you know, because obviously they've had the 50 years of the national celebrations recently. Yeah, and, I was uh, there. It was wonderful. Oh, we were there. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah it, was, it was wonderful. But I saw the, a clip of, uh, of Maggie Smith speaking, that, uh, who obviously was at the Old Vic as well. Yes. And she was saying that it was like a family and that, that Joan Plowright was like the mother and, and, and he was the, you know, and, and it was all sort of very, very family uh, t t together before it moved to the South Bank. Um, Absolutely. You know. And, and our, our dad was Sir Lawrence. Mm, mm. And he was just like dad, really. You know how you want to please your dad. Yes. Uh, if he said, uh, hello, Frank, how are you doing? You felt a million dollars. And, and if he looked away from you, you thought, oh, my God. What have I done? What have I done? <laughs> yeah. But he, he was absolutely delightful. And as a matter of fact, we stayed with him uh, when our little girl was the uh, same age as his children. We stayed with him in Brighton, really charming. And uh, it's quite fun, actually, to act with him because we used to do the, uh, the calls. We used to be, because we came on together in The Merchant of Venice, yeah. the call would be uh, your call, Sir Lawrence and Mr. Barry. So my mother was in one night, and I said to the girl who did the calls, will you, will you say your call, Mr. Barry and Sir Lawrence? <laughs> <laughs> and she said, I can't do that. I said, oh, go on. So she did. Your call, Mr. Barry and Sir Lawrence. <laughs> and, and I was with Sir Lawrence in the wings, and he said to me, better billing today. <laughs> <laughs> Very sweet. So it was. So yes, it was. Uh, uh, but it was interesting also is that Max Smith said that that he was, uh, as well as being the, the father and great, he was also had a, a, a sort of a barrier. She said that sometimes was hard to crack. Did you have that experience or? Well, I think the barrier was self-inflicted. As a matter of fact, I, I remember. I mean, inflicted by the people who were in awe of him. We were right. in awe of him. He was a huge world star. You know. Uh, young people see him now on film. There's an awful film of Othello where mm. it doesn't work mm. uh, because it's a stage performance and of a different era. I, I think mm. the style of acting changes every 15 years, yes. approximately. Although I have to say Rebecca, I think he's pretty stunning in Rebecca. Than yes, he's very restrained in Yes, that. which yes. is great for the role. Yes. It took him a long time to learn 
to do less. You know. Yes, yes. He had. I remember hearing. He's, he was very big and very when he first very first started movies. Yes. And I suppose that again, the transition of acting changing every fifteen years. That from that period of stage acting to coming into film, speak the, the speaking, the talkies, so to speak, um, film acting um, probably was very difficult. But maybe for British actors more than American actors, because well, especially for him, because he was used to what you might call generous acting. You know, he gave so much to his mm. audience, mm. and he hadn't realized at the beginning that you can give too much. You know. Mm. You, in doing films and television, I've done a lot of television and a few films, you do realise that the audience has to be invited in, not not acted at. Uh, yes. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. So it's like talking with as opposed to talking at. Yes, yeah. yes. Yeah. That's what we value most now. And, and it's it's gone over into theatre acting as well, I think. We now want smaller theatres. I, I personally yeah. think the Olivia's too big. Mm. Uh, if you want to see a play, you want to be near the people, mm. don't you? You mm. want to pick yeah. up their yeah. expressions. Yeah. So when did your transition go from theatre into telly? How was that? You know? Well, between uh, Bristol and my joining the National, yeah, because they asked me to join uh, the National in a very famous production, actually, that was planned. It was Peter Brook's Oedipus with uh, John Gielgud. Oh, wow. And they asked me to be in the chorus. And so I said, no, I don't do chorus. <laughs> <laughs> Even for John Gilgood. <laughs> <laughs> Even for John Gilgood. I worked with him two or three times. Lovely man. I'll tell you some stories if you like. And uh, it turned out, actually, that it was a very strange production. There was a great phallus came on at the end, and there was a lot of fuss about that. But the chorus, and I was really glad when I saw it not to have done it, <laughs> because they were tied to pillars in the auditorium. Oh, God. Yeah, and people were coming up to them and saying, do you have a programme? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> it was terribly embarrassing for them. Anyway, so I put off joining the National. I did join about, uh, I think, three, three or four months later to do a lovely part, our Jillax, in Back to Methuselah by Bernard Shaw. So in the meantime, I did some telly. And I did my first soap opera. I've been in two soap operas. Uh, three, actually. Unless you, four, if you count Z cars. I suppose you oh, do. Yes. Uh, but uh, the first one was a notorious thing called uh, Emergency... <laughs> you see, I'm trying to forget it. <laughs> <laughs> I know it perfectly well. Emergency Ward 10. Oh, it yes, was the first yes, thing yes. about hospitals. And yes. nobody ever died in that hospital <laughs> until I joined. <laughs> I was playing Dr. Cook, an anaesthetist. And uh, the producer of this television soap called me to his office one day. He said, Frank, we're going to try something. And we just trailing it past you to see if you do agree with it. We're going to have a patient die... <gasps> he waited for my astonishment. <laughs> We're going to have a patient die, and it's going to be your fault. I thought, well, this sounds fun. You're going to play the villain. I didn't mind a bit. It never occurred to me. Anyway, uh, we did this, and it went out, and I got scores of letters saying, 
don't worry, Dr. Cook, it wasn't your fault. Oh, oh my wow. God. And it was. <laughs> Isn't that bizarre? They must have loved your character so much, they wanted to forgive you anything. I think so. I think it's the basic niceness of the, yes. of the public. Yeah. I do think the public are basically nice, I must say. Yeah. yeah I've, n- I've never met an audience I didn't like. What was it like going to TV from theatre? How was it for you doing that? And sort of, like you say, not inviting them in and, and having a camera like there and... You know, um, how was yes. this live television as well? Yeah, well, you, uh, yes, we did one live and one recorded, and and even even with the live one, if something went wrong, you had to keep going. You know, well, mm. of course, with the live one, but even with the recorded one, you had to keep going because it cost, and I can remember this figure, it cost four hundred pounds <laughs> to stop the tape. Oh gosh, <laughs> well, there's wow. nothing now, but it was yeah. a considerable sum then. So whatever happened, you kept going, but I can't pretend that I took it seriously. I just didn't. I I remember I was an assistant. I was the anaesthetist, and the surgeon who I was always with, a wonderful, lovely actor called John Barron, a distinguished actor. And I noticed when we were doing the things that his hands were shaking. And I remember thinking, what's he nervous about? It's just a silly little soap opera. Isn't that awful? (laughs) Uh, Of course, I'd be the one nervous now. But I, I didn't really... Um, take it too seriously. Mm. And in a sense, at the beginning, that might have been good for me, really, yes. that I was relaxed, you know. Yes. Yeah. yeah. It would have come on screen, it would have come across like that as well. You would have been more relaxed and it would have made your performance probably more natural and yes, normal. hopefully it? it did. I don't think I ever saw any... I, mu- I must have watched myself. I watched myself recently in a, in a, th- a secret army that I did, uh, oh, I don't know, 40 years ago, maybe. Something like that. And it was like watching my grandson. Yes. It really was. Yes. My grandson looked exactly like, like... He looks exactly like I used to look. Yes. Quite extraordinary. Wow. So for the first time... And I also did that with my one-man show, because uh, I've done it... Uh, I do a show called MacReady. Mm. And I've done it in 65 countries, which I'm told is a record. Wow. I've, told, uh, I've done it on uh, uh, television, Channel 4. And I never looked at the tape. And uh, two years ago, I was asked to go back to uh, University of Houston, where I was visiting professor for a time. And they asked me to do my show, MacReady. And I said, well, I don't really do it now. Uh, The costumes don't fit so well. (laughs) 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 <laughs> but I'll bring I'll bring you the the tape, although it had been made into a DVD by then. Okay, so I went there and I watched it with the students, and again it was like my grandson, and I could watch it without any uh, nerves, you know, mm. because it wasn't mm. me. Yes. Yeah. I mean, y- you you know what it's like when you watch yourself. You're mm. hypercritical and hate yourself and think, oh, God, look at those ears, look at that nose, you know, all this self-doubt. But after so many years, it, it didn't matter. It was like watching somebody else. So yeah. tell us about Rikriti, because this is your play that you wrote yourself. Is that yes. That's correct. Um, tell us about it. What's where, why, where did it come from? And Because and I know you've, you've done it quite, you've done it quite, as you said, in so many countries. Yes. And well, it, it was... Uh, like so many things in this business, accidental, you know. I mean, there are three things you need in, in the, in the theatre and showbiz. 
Number one is luck. Number two is energy. Number three is talent. Mm, mm. It's nice if you've got all three. But my bit of luck was this, that I was playing Hamlet at York Festival. I went back to York, my hometown. And somebody gave me as a first night present the diaries of the great Victorian actor, William Charles McCready. I hadn't time to read them, so I left them in the digs. And then I had to come on one night and play Hamlet, and 20 years, uh, 20 minutes, sorry, 20 minutes, <laughs> 20 minutes before curtain up. I've often wondered whether they should have said this to me, but anyway, they did. Uh, they told me that my father had died. Mm. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, my, well, that play, wow. And that play, uh, it's all about your <laughs> oh father God, dying. Yes. It's quite extraordinary. In a way, you know, it was a help to me to have a kind of catharsis like that, saying some of the most wonderful lines ever mm. written. And, of course, the thing that happens, if something like that very emotional happens in your real life, it does feed into what you're doing. But, of course, the artist in you says, wait a minute, it's not about you. Mm. Your responsibility is to the part. Mm. So you mustn't indulge yourself, and hopefully I didn't. When it was over, of course, I was uh, a bit shattered. And I went back to the digs and I opened the diaries of MacReady. And he was, it was at a point where he's describing his feelings when he had to act after the death of one of his children. Oh, wow. He lost about five children to tuberculosis, consumption as it was called. And what he wrote was exactly how I felt. So, of course, I had an immediate federal feeling for him, and I, and I sort of devoured these diaries, read books about him. And then a few months later, I was asked to play Macbeth at Exeter. And the director, Richard Digbidet, actually rang me personally, will you play Macbeth? So I said, well... I'll play it on one condition, that after the run is over, I can spend an evening uh, talking about MacReady. I was, I was obsessed by him. So he said, little pause, and he said, yeah, yes, okay. So I was in a play then at the um, Haymarket, Crucifer of Blood, and I'd got a month to go in that, and a month to rehearse Macbeth, and a month to play Macbeth. So during this time, I was writing the script. And by then, I knew all the facts, actually. A very retentive memory I've been blessed with. So the writing of it went quite easily. And during the writing, I realized that I, to have any theatrical juice in it at all, I had to be him. So mm. that was what I was. And uh, Macbeth was over, and then I had this performance. By then, it had been stretched to two, two performances. <laughs> And, and it was quite extraordinary. E everything I'd planned worked. All the laughs came, all the pauses worked. And I was very nervous at the beginning. Uh, stage fright had never uh, touched me before then. But I was shaking, actually. 
and I was tying the stock, you know, I'm shaking, shaking. And I went down to the wings, first performance of MacReady. And uh, the nice girl in the <coughs> chair, the ASM's chair, and I said to her, how long have we got, darling? Five minutes. Oh, by the way, uh, there's a Mr. MacReady who's in, who's a descendant of MacReady. <laughs> oh, my God. And this had an extraordinary effect on me. I just thought, oh, well, I've got to be good. I yes. can't afford to be nervous. And the nerves went. Okay. So it seems that sometimes you can choose. Mm. And the first thing I did when I went on stage, in those days, I've changed it now, I used to throw the diary onto the table and say, I wish I'd been anything rather than an actor. That's still the first line. But on the first night... It's a very good first line. I'm it's sure a, it good gets a good laugh line. just to start with, yes. It is. But on the very first performance, I threw this the diary and the table collapsed. Oh, <laughs> no. <laughs> so the line worked even better. Yes. However, this is leading up to the fact that there was an American producer in the audience on holiday, by chance, and he came round and he said, I want you to take this to uh, New York for me. Wow. Off Broadway, Circle Theatre. Uh, so uh, that's where luck comes in. Mm. It, it might well have just finished at Exeter. Mm. So did you... So that's the wonderful offer. That's great. You thought, oh, God, I'm going, we're going to Off-Broadway. Did you then change it? Did you work on it more? Or did you keep it exactly as it was and just took it over the pond? And well, did it's you, did extraordinary. You direct it, did I, I you direct it. yourself as well? You direct yes. It. Yes. Well, there was a director. I, I've got to be fair about this. Richard Digby Day oh. directed me one afternoon. Okay. He wanted me to cut out a cartwheel. He said, it's showing off. <laughs> I said, that's, that's why I'm doing it. it. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's face it. It's my mean, opportunity. <laughs> acting is... <laughs> I know you're not supposed to say this, but... Acting is showing off. Mm. It really is, you know. And you might do it with good taste. You might even do it with modesty, actually, mm. strangely. They are compatible in certain circumstances. Anyway, so, uh, no, it didn't change. I didn't change it much. Over the years, there was a bit where I described one of the uh, actresses was mad about him, and he was clearly very attracted to her. But then I was getting people saying they did have an affair, didn't they? They really did. And I thought out of, out of fairness to my hero and the truth, I'd better drop that bit. So I don't. I don't include that bit. Though it's very touching, actually. So 65, <laughs> 65 countries. countries. So wow. what was it like? How was it received in, in New York? What was that like? I mean, well, it if, you amazing. Have, if you have a success in New York, you have a yes. mega success. It's absolutely wonderful. I mean, there was a, all the critics seemed to go for me. And there was one called John Simon, who's usually very cruel. And uh, he, he, I got an absolute rave. And the next performance after his notice... The, the, the Americans, I absolutely love Americans, I must say. I'm going to act for some of them on Monday, some students in London. And uh, they all had, not all, I'm exaggerating as usual, <laughs> <laughs> but a lot of them had John Simon's Review, which was in a magazine, I've forgotten what it's called. Anyway, 
on their knees. You know, I, I came out, I said, what's all this? What's all this? Uh, oh, God, it's the review. Because uh, they want to be associated with success. Well, we all do, don't we? Mm. So, yes, it was wonderful, really wonderful. So from, so from New York, how did you get to go to all these? Cause you, did you come back to London and Yes, and I came back to London and I did it at the Arts Theatre. Yeah. Uh, that was fixed up by Eddie Kolekundis and uh, David Conville. That was the management. And I did six weeks there, and that was where it was picked up for the telly and for Channel 4. And I did that at the Fortune Theatre <laughs> and uh, was filmed there. It's, it's really good. I, I enjoyed it when I saw it, as a matter of fact. Uh, I was past criticising myself. I just thought, oh, this young chap, how interesting he is. He's quite good. <laughs> 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 yes, it was an extraordinary thing, that, isn't it? And then the British Council uh, came to see it and they sent me off to Hong Kong, Singapore, Malaysia and the Philippines. Mary came with me, my wife. It was uh, magic, really. Wow. And the first performance, I think it was Hong Kong or somewhere, and a lot of people were helping. And my dressing room was enormous. And my trousers that I wear had been put over a table, and the braces were touching the floor. And Mary was kind of... Uh, brushing these trousers very, very vigorously. And I thought, oh, what a shame, she's really nervous, you know. Mm. I didn't say anything, and we did the show, and it was uh, terrific, actually. And then afterwards, she said, um, did you feel anything in your trousers? <laughs> I said, what, what do you mean? <laughs> she said, well, it was full of ants. <gasps> oh, my God. No way. The ants had climbed up the braces. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm glad she didn't tell she did me. Thank God she didn't say, yeah, yes. before. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> so it's interesting, because um, talking, about, talking about Mary, um, she obviously was gone through this whole process with you as well. So it's interesting, talk, especially when you're writing and sort of directing yourself, that your spouse uh, goes, through, uh, uh, goes through that with you. And, and as... What, is, does that happen every time? And do you think that's normal for every actor? Do you think their spouses go through it as well? If you're playing, doing a one-man show or Hamlet or, or really yes. big stuff. I know it's not normal for all actors, but it's entirely normal for me. Mm. And right from the beginning, we were married very young. We had a little girl at, in 1960 who is now an actress. And Mary has always been the most wonderful uh, partner. She's always heard my lines. She's always been honest, or as honest as compatible with kindness. Mm. Uh, but I always listen to her and, and always uh, obey her. I do have a tendency to overdo things, and, and, and she'll say, you don't need to do that. Mm. That must be wonderful. That must be absolutely wonderful to have that. It in is. a spouse more than director or a fellow actor. Yes, it is. You, you yeah. really value it. In weekly rep, a play a week, you're not directed. There's nothing the director can do, actually, yeah. except look at French's acting edition and say, move, <laughs> move up left, move right, etc. So one directs oneself. So a helpmeet like one's partner, who can tell you honestly what's good and what's bad, is invaluable. Mm. Mm. Yes. There's one thing you mentioned, uh, I think, well, Jason mentioned that you said to Jason about everyone should do their, their own or, you know, write their own one-person show, one-man, one-woman show. 
Do you agree? You know, they still say that that's something that every actor should, I think if should. given the opportunity, they should... I think you know. they should. I think they, they should make the opportunity as well. Uh, of course, when I did my one-man show, there weren't so many, so the competition to get dates is difficult. But it's something that you can express everything you want to express about acting, about the person you've chosen. It becomes an obsession, and it's a magnificent obsession. It's a passion, and it will sustain you throughout your career. Mm. And you will always have you always have it at the back of your mind that you don't have to rely on somebody saying, will you do a play, will you do a whatever it is. You've got your product. Nowadays it's difficult to get it put on, but you can put it on. You've, you've, got, got, to, you've got to have a deadline. Yeah, you set yourself a deadline. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Otherwise it's just a dream that keeps continuing, yes. I suppose. and you get more and more nervous. No, you, you've got to say, right, I open on March the 3rd, that's it. Mm. It forces yourself to write it and get it done and yes. get feedback. Yes. Uh, just just one more thing, because it sort of continues with the, the one-man play, but not so much, is is The Woman in Black, which you have yes. preferred in, which is two, two, two men only, and obviously the lady. Um, how... How does how does that is that a similar do you think that's a similar process with the one man play obviously you have a, an actor to to play with but because uh, the woman in black you know the, the character you played plays many many roles yes. um, so is there a similar thing between the two well it's it's an opportunity to display a huge range of technique actually. yes yes and and just thrilling to play I, I played it for nine months and every performance I loved. Every performance, I was dying to get out there. Wow. Uh, doing what I've devoted my life to. Mm. Mm. And I was working with a very, very fine young actor called Damien Matthews, Francis Matthews' son. And this is uh, astonishing, but for nine months, neither of us gave the other a note. Never. Oh, wow. I thought he was marvellous and he was very nice to me. So it was very happy. Yeah. Wonderful. Brilliant. That's yeah. wonderful. Excellent. Yeah. Well, we're going to have to wrap it up there. Um, but thank you so much, Frank, for coming yes. on the show. I've, I've, I've learned so much. It's been so inspiring hearing your story. And I hope other people out there listening will have found that as fascinating as we have. Or yes. I, I certainly have, I'm sure. Absolutely. Jason yes. feels it's the same. Yes. And, and I have met your wife, and she is very lovely. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you've cheered me up. Thank <laughs> you. Thank Excellent. You. Okay. Well, uh, that's it then for this week. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at DBSD Podcast and check out our website, don'tbesodramatic.com, for uh, articles and information on our guests coming up. Okay. That's it for this week. Thanks, everyone, for listening. I'm Steve Bradley. I'm Jason B. Moore. And I'm Frank Barry. Don't be so dramatic. Thank you.